loves them. <laughs> Please. Morning. So how's it going this morning? You know, I, I uh, have had a desire to meet you. I told you this on the phone the other day. I've had a desire to meet you for quite some time. And here you are. We're on my porch, and we just fell into good conversation immediately, like I knew we would. <laughs> sure. Like I knew we would. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm fine. I was a little bit late last night, of course. When I had to get up early and meet you, I sit and write music till three o'clock. I was up till about two. Yeah. What, what, what was your reason for being up? I was writing music. You know what? I want to talk about that. I want to just get right into that music thing. Um, now, you have a project out right now on Bandcamp. Yeah. Uh, and I have to apologize. I don't know too much about Bandcamp. Now that's a different platform than Spotify, Apple Music, and whatnot. In that, when you're on Bandcamp, you are the listeners are linked in directly to the artist, and if they want to download, um, you know, buy, buy your album, every single penny or kroner <laughs> goes straight to the artist correct yeah most most of it anyway well yeah i'm sure there's like some administrative fees but but for the most part, for the uh, most part. it's not like uh on spotify where you make 0.0001 pennies <laughs> per download here you're making a significant portion minus the administration fees. yeah i, I made more money off a of band camp in in a month than i done yet from spotify you know <laughs> am i doing it wrong i have four singles out there four no. solo singles and they're all on spotify itunes um soundcloud all of that am i doing it wrong should there's, i have gone with Bandcamp? there's no wrong or right you don't have to choose well, it's wrong if you want to make money <laughs> well the thing is about Bandcamp is that it's you're kind of like your own record company record store label and you you're everything you, you got full control and you can kind of assign it to look the way you want to and yeah and as you said you have that direct connection with your listeners and they can recommend you to their friends and you can build this little subculture of wow this artist is cool i'm gonna i'm gonna support this guy because uh, unless i do uh he's not gonna make any money kind of thing, okay you know. Now, I see the benefits in that, but when it comes to exposure, isn't there a better potential for exposure on something like Spotify? I wouldn't know because I'm not really drilled in the Spotify game. But well, well, just looking at the number of, of uh, people who subscribe to Spotify, yeah. there's, I don't know, is, can we say hundreds of millions of listeners on Spotify? I don't know how many listeners there are on Bandcamp, but I would imagine looking at the number of subscribers, there's a much larger opportunity on Spotify. I, th I think you should be everywhere. I agree. And, and the people who kind of have this kind of altruistic approach to, to the music uh, buyer and um, uh, kind of pr producer buyer scene, they um, uh, make an account on Bandcamp and they feel joy in overspending for a record because it's part of their... Uh vibe you know it's part of their uh, thing that you want to support this this uh, artist that makes this kind of weird out of the box music and if you don't support them uh that artist will go away will go away yeah and you'll get a lot in, you know less uh, variations in the in the music uh, uh, uh that's offered so so i 
I'm basically everywhere, you know? But I pay most attention to the Bandcamp thing and... Because of that direct connection, maybe. Yeah, and YouTube, actually. YouTube as well, yeah. Yeah, because, because I feel that kind of what I'm doing kind of just resonates with the YouTube way of doing things. So How so? Because you are different. You're a different kind of musician. I guess. I can explain why I think that, but but what what is it about YouTube that you think is more appealing for you and your listeners? It's hard to put into words. It's just a vibe. Yeah. Um, well, I kind of... I do kind of different things when it comes to music. That's kind of my curse and my blessing because I get a little unclear. People get a little unclear as to what I'm doing. But right I now, but right now I'm, I'm very focused into, into doing music that's kind of, uh, you know, suitable for relaxing and meditating and introspective thought work basically well uh when it comes to this thing about relaxing i think it was what three three nights ago i i fell asleep listening to your uh now forgive me i've forgotten the name of the album it's on it's on spotify yeah on the great alkali plains yes yeah the great alkali plains good lord (laughs) that is and i and I, i kid you not i'm not saying this just because you're sitting here in front of me that is one of the most beautiful albums I've ever heard in my life. Wow. People, it's 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 um, it's it's acoustic guitar, and then I don't know if maybe you want to keep your keep your 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 your, your procedure to yourself, but you have some very interesting ways of drawing sounds out of that guitar and other little ambient sounds. That it's a very live way of recording you can almost hear your heartbeat yeah you can hear <laughs> me breathing yeah i hear you breathing around, and yeah. movement and yeah. the scrape of this of your forearm maybe against the body of the guitar sure. and and it is it is one uh, it felt like you were i don't know this is kind of creepy but it felt like you were s- sitting right beside my bed oh, no, I've, heard, as you were, as you were, <laughs> I've heard that before it's <laughs> like espin are you here are you here? <laughs> I, I think it's down to uh, various components basically We've been too obsessed with, you know, uh, with per- uh, perfection. Yes. And albums are overproduced. The life is produced out of them. You you you, you lose life really yes. easy when you go for perfect. Yeah. Uh, and you lose humanity and and you lose um, communication, and you lose that heart to heart kind of. Uh, vulnerability yeah that is kind of mine that what i have a knack for i have a knack for kind of to get in to those little places that that are your little secret places in yeah. your heart and i go hey what's this are you are you sad right there you're not afraid to poke on that no, little no i'm not yeah. afraid to do that because i've can you ra- raise your microphone sure, up we can do that there, there we, we go we'll give that's that a shot. better oh, there we go now we hear that, you that, um, that, yeah. No, I'm not afraid to poke. I think there's there's too little, um, you know, um, friendly poking. People poke to 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 to, to make people look bad. Yes, and yes. Ca- kind of that's that's the reflex. Maybe we have. Oh, don't poke me because you're going to make me look bad. But I have a different intent. I'm like, see, 
uh, I'm hurt too, you know, so yeah. there's no danger. I think there's something that is very, um, it, it's such a display of strength when you can display your weakness or display your vulnerability or mm. display your sensitivity. Mm. Uh, there's too many men, I believe, who are afraid to do that. Probably. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. It's, uh, it's never done me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, I mean, you're an ex-police officer and you know what when it comes to meeting people you probably have a lot of skills and uh, i'm gonna tell you one story that you'll probably recognize from your work as a police officer which is really interesting um when it comes to kind of just changing the narrative of what's going on. I remember back in the day I was out uh, w with my girlfriend and we had some beers and it was late at night and we were going home. We we're just getting a hot dog before going back to bed. Yeah. So it was three o'clock everybody was drunk and we were out there in the street, you know, and there was this line up to this kiosk where people were going to get their hot dogs. And all of a sudden I hear this, oh, get out of here, get out of here. This guy who just wanted to, you know, move past the queue and just, okay, you know. Yeah. And I'm like, hey, buddy, there's a line here. You better get in, in the back of it. And he, okay, I'm going to fight you because, uh, you know, he, he, he was that he kind He was of, one of those, yeah. 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 But I was in a good mood and I felt, you know, good. So I just told my girlfriend, why don't you get me a hot dog and a Coke? And, and I just stepped out of the queue and I said, okay, so you want to fight me? Yeah, um, no one talks to me like that and whatnot. And I said, well, uh, that's fine. Uh, I see you got a new jacket. And he's like, oh, uh, what? I, I see, you got a new jacket? It's going to be destroyed. I, I tell you. See these pants? I bought them today. Diesel. Thousand kroners, man. Damn, but I guess that's life, you know? Yeah. You're gonna have, maybe I'll meet you in town tomorrow. You buying a new jacket, me buying a new pair of pants. <laughs> and the result was he just collapsed. Well, that is a genius way of distracting him from his aggression. I am... Um, I, I, but that's you, isn't it? I can tell that's just you. No, no. Uh, you, you, what's the name of that um, that British guy who's uh, uh, hypnos uh, hypnotizing people like on TV? Um, this ah, uh, uh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, this yeah. this this. He had a television program for a long time. Yeah, yeah. he he. Exp I saw an interview with him where he explained the biology of what, go what goes on because. When people are that angry, they're in a fight or flight kind of state. Right. So right. they have a very narrow focus of uh, intellect. And all their adrenaline goes into that focus. Y yeah. So when you start talking about something abstract or something that doesn't relate to the situation, uh, because their their focus is so narrow, they kind of go, what's going on? What's going on? Uh -huh. And in that kind of fumble... All the adrenaline just drops. And in that <clears throat> moment, you can totally redirect yeah, the whole flow all of the, the episode. The adrenaline is kind of the fuel for the situation. Right. So when you take away the adrenaline out of the perpetrator or the, the, the aggressor, uh -huh. he's got no power. Right. So he's just got to have to sit down and, and just, you know, collapse. And then you can go, so... Uh, you didn't want anything else? No, no, okay. We'll have a nice day then. And, and that was it. That was it. Well, see, that again, that is a genius way of, of, of misdirection and, and, uh, and, and redirecting aggression. Not a lot of people have that skill. Not a lot of people yes, want to have that skill. People seem so quick to just jump in. You know, they meet aggression with aggression. Yeah. 
someone says something wrong, they feel compelled to say something wrong in return or sure. something hurtful sure. in return. Sure. But that's just, um, that's life. It's very human. It's very human, but it seems to be more prevalent in these days than it was even just a couple years ago. Because the questions are so complex. So because we're in this Facebook kind of social media of instant gratification time discussing subjects that really take hours to yeah. even scratch the surface. Yeah. So it's But people want to get that comment out in 10 seconds and then they, they want to make sure it stings. They're going to take 10, 15 seconds yeah. to write that comment and then move on to the next victim. And, 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 <laughs> and what's driving that comment then? It's all your emotions. Yeah. And when you have, when you're too emotional, we know that in any thing like me as a performer if i sing a sad song i can't be emotional i'll just start crying and i'll ruin my own performance you have to keep emotions in 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 their place you know you can't let them come and take over because you lose your rational thoughts and way of thinking and acting so so you um how do you tap into your emotions when when you write <laughs> an album when you perform an album like the alkali planes and we're going to talk about your current album sure. but just to go back to alkali planes i'm sorry what's the full title uh, on the great alkali on the great alkali planes yeah. when you when you write that music when you perform that music how do you not go deep into your emotions well because that music is somewhat complex It is. So so I need all my energy to focus on the fingerings and, and <laughs> you know, getting my fingers around the fretboard. I, 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 don't, I don't have time to kind of go into, oh, that was beautiful. Oh, what a beautiful line I played there. I understand. You can't go there because then you'll just, you know. What I find when lose, I, lose your... as a musician myself, when I'm singing, <clears throat> I go deep into my emotions. And I want it to come out in my voice when I'm singing, whether it's live or whether it's in the studio. But when I'm playing, and maybe this is because I lack the amount of skill I would like to have, I cannot be emotional when I'm playing, whether it's piano or guitar or bass. Total focus on the technicality of playing is required in order for me to get it out. Sure. So I guess there's two different levels of emotion for me. The instrumental and then the vocal. I, I can't get around my spiritual... A kind of way of living when it comes to this, yeah. Because uh, I'm a Taoist, and and in the Tao Te Ching, it says the one who tries to shine dims his own light. Yeah, and that means that if you try to do something, it, it, things are aren't going to go very well. Right. What you, what you can if you have if you have to try something, you can try to be present in what you're doing and let it f unfold naturally by you just allowing your body's intelligence and programming through all the rehearsals and yeah. practices yeah. that you've had through the years and let that just just trust that process that i rehearsed this line i know how to play this yeah. line if i start to think about how to play that line i'm not going to be able to play it See, no, I can do I can do that when I when I when I'm singing. I'm very confident in my singing, so I can, you know, at the same time as I'm tapping into my emotions when I sing, it, it comes it comes effort effortlessly because I can sing. Mm -hmm. But I guess I have a certain amount of of it's the exact opposite of detachment. I am so 
focus and concern with my playing. And again, maybe that's because I'm just not very good at it. It's, but there's something, it's, yeah. it's, um, it's almost like I'm getting in my own way. Yeah. Maybe I need to find more of a Taoist approach to my musicianship so that I can match the relaxed feeling I have when I'm singing. It, it could be various things. It could also be as simple as that. I mean, playing an instrument and singing at the same time. That's very hard for it's, me. It's, it's, it's difficult because yeah. it's about separation between yes. the uh, the left and right left brain. and right yeah. brain, and um, like I learned how to juggle. Oh, did you? Yeah, just just to work on that separation between okay. not to perform. I can only juggle three balls. Uh-huh. I tried four and five, but but I can. <laughs> but but for me, as a, as a, as a, as a practice to just be separated uh, uh, in my brain halves that's a, that's a little part of it uh, and um, doing uh, stuff like tai chi and meditation and stuff like that also helps and kind of you know, finding um, that abstract place in inside of your mind where you kind of go oh that's so, that's how i have to you know be in so it's my training it's a training issue in other words yeah. you have to work on everything's training that's separate yeah it's it's all about reps all yeah. about repetition everything i mean there are some people who uh, who are born just you know yeah. geniuses like yeah. musicians and stuff yeah it's interesting to see that very seldom when you have these child prodigies they don't amount to stuff when they grow old i think you kind of spill the beans too early yeah because one thing is to play things really technically perfect another thing is to communicate something through that act and when you're a kid you don't have any life experience you don't right. have anything to draw from you just can read those notes and play it seems like they're not very good at improvising they're not connecting and, and, in that part of their brain that that pulls in that 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 uh that raw inspiration they can repeat what they've learned sure But the but the inspiration to create something new isn't there in some of these prodigies. No, so these are two different things, you know. And 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 most people just put, oh, he plays music, and and that's that, you know. But it's so complex, and it's so many approaches to it. I like to look at my um, as a power lifter. I like to look at it as a aspect of my life that is more than just some meathead who goes in the gym and sweats yeah. and grunts it out there is a almost a spiritual or, or an intellectual mind sure. thing that's happening there as well uh, something that brings discipline something that mm -hmm. brings goals mm -hmm. something that brings planning and focus into into my life which i then And I'm able to allow, I'm allow, I can allow it to bleed into other aspects of my life. Exactly. That, that training, that repetition, that discipline, that sense of, of achievement. I always, I've said this several times before on my podcast, I believe in being better at life, um, not so much for my own benefit, but to put me in a position to where I can help others be better at their life. Um, how, what it's all about <laughs> well and, and my question is is how does that apply to the Taoist way of thinking because my understanding of Taoism is that there's a large element of selflessness in that 
It's freedom to, uh, through finding out that the ego is not it's 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 not an illusion the ego is real but <clears throat> the way i think about it is the ego evolved in us through time in order for us to survive basically yeah you have to care about yourself you have to care about yourself you have to protect your family you have to protect your house everything like that so when i say your cave back in the day you know this is my cave this is my territory this is my woman and you want you want yourself to be so so there's no conflict in the in the ways of taoism if i say that i do things to better myself no if as long as i'm using those qualities that i gain to pass on to others or to put myself in a situation where I can be more um, capable of enhancing other people's lives. It, my family, my near friends. Well, that's what brings... Charitable acts. Yeah. That type of living is what brings real joy and real peace into your life. Absolutely. Um, and everyone who kind of have, have thought about this will know that the way you feel after you know you selflessly have, have helped someone with something and they go so uh, here's a thousand kroners no 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 whatever you know don't think about it we're we're, we're just doing this you know yeah, yeah. and i'm so glad to help and i can see that i was of help and and uh, mm. that's my pay basically you know that i could serve you today and it's like it's like it is in, in um, Lord of the Rings in Hobbiton, where 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 you don't get presents on your birthday, but you give presents on your birthday. That's right. And that way, everyone gets presents at least two times a week, because there's always someone who has a birthday. And that way of thinking that you should give, and by giving, you get this this great you know thing back. And it's not this this new age hocus pocus right. weird way of thinking. It, that's the truth. When you give, you feel so good. It's it, it's a natural law. Uh, if you've done it enough, yeah, and examined it uh, enough, because if you do it, oh, I want to be really good now, and I want people to see how good I am, then you're trying to shine, yeah, and that by that dimming your own light, yeah. You know, because you have a, 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 a hidden agenda. The giving, but for the wrong reason. Yeah, it's your yeah. ego coming yeah. in and saying, you really should do that because it'll make you look good. That's your ego talking. Yeah. And th that, if you think that you know that's your ego or, or the devil or yeah. whatever you want to call it. Uh -huh. And then you can just say, well, I know you're there, but I'm not going to pay any attention to you. Because ego is there. And it, it won't go away and it <laughs> no. shouldn't go away. But you should understand its role in our in our mind you know and the fight to gain more strength and discipline to resist the ego again it comes full circle and you putting yourself in a better position to then be able to express kindness and giving to uh, others see i'm uh, that's true but i'm i'm really careful with using words like resist or or or, or, or block uh, or stuff like that. Here comes the Taoism. Yeah, 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 because the moment you start to resist something, you give it energy and it grows. True. Just like in conflict that you see on social media, you know, it's so easy to, to escalate something because someone starts a, 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 an argument and they put a certain energy into that argument and 
you're almost blind when you just take up that energy and continue down that path. And all of a sudden, you're just throwing bricks at each other, you know, and shouting and screaming, so it's, which it's, is it's, not where you want to be. You want to be at a place where you can talk. So resistance is wasted energy. Yeah. Resistance is wasted. And just, just like you know from weightlifting, I bet that if you have too much weight on, uh, you can get it up there, but it's not sensible because no. you'll hurt your muscles and, and you have to slowly build that so you don't have all that. You have the resistance, but you don't have the resistance that'll cave you in. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, like to, I like to bring my powerlifting into my into my day-to-day life. Espen is pointing at his coffee cup. More coffee, please. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Great. Thanks, man. Gotta keep my guests satisfied here. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't this nice? So beautiful. I've, you know, I've, um, of course, with the COVID situation, I've, I've continued with my podcast, but all of my episodes, um, except for the one with Bobek uh, Namati a couple weeks ago, all of them have been by... Uh, by video, video conference oh, yeah. with them. And uh, of course I enjoy it. And, I, and through that, I've met some fantastic people, but nothing beats this. This is good. I like to open up my home, my <laughs> studio, so to speak, and, and, and just do it this way. We're sitting yeah. out here on the porch, beautiful breeze coming through. That's nice. I did it. Uh, now it's very quiet. Of course, it's summer and a lot of people have traveled away to their cabins up in the mountains and whatnot. But when I did it with Bobek, it was like um, later in the morning and the whole neighborhood was alive and you could hear the background noise with kids. Yeah. It's very organic it was a real a real conversation you live in a really great part of town too you know i uh i am not a city person uh my wife won that uh she won that discussion about where we're gonna live um <clears throat> i'm more of a country I, I i grew up way out in in uh in uh, far from the city mm. uh in ohio back home um so to be in a city like this is not really my thing however if I have to live in a city, which I do because that's what my wife wants, then this is a good city to be in. And then if I have to be in this city, this is a great neighborhood to be in. Yeah. I like it. It's very peaceful, very quiet. We have good neighbors. Uh, it's, it's it's kind of old, one of the oldest parts of, of, of yeah. the city or the town. and. And it's got all these houses from from uh, like the forties and fifties, and there's yeah, and some of the uh, some of the um, cement buildings a couple blocks over are even older. Even than older, that. Than yeah. That, yeah. Beautiful, beautiful homes, and then up in the hills, some of the old farmhouses. It's really nice. Yeah. Really nice. Yeah. Yeah, so so this um, let's go, let's go back to your music. What's the name of your current album that you have on Bandcamp? Uh, um. <laughs> what did I call it? I called it. <laughs> I called it isolation because isolation. I made it during the quarantine, <clears throat> as so many um, people did. You know, um, uh, so I called it isolation, and uh, and it was a live stream concert that I did, and I had a friend come over and help me set up uh, and record it, and we streamed it. Who, who was that? Give a shout out to your friend. Uh, Frode, Frode Björnstad from uh, Romfader United. He's a really gr- good Frode friend. Frode Björnstad. And, okay. Yeah, he, he uh, works at Oscar Kulturhus. And, and he's, That's where I've heard that name, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. So he's a great guy. And he came over and recorded it and it came out really nice and... I didn't do too many mistakes, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was just a one time through. Of, yeah. A t- yeah. yeah, so uh, so I have this friend in Germany called um, Daniel Zambu, 
and um, he's somewhat of he really enjoys what I'm doing and he and he has sent me an email saying wow that that concert was really nice if you want I can I can master it and you can make an, oh. make an EP out of it or something and how, like, how many songs is it? Uh, four songs okay They're one of them is 15 minutes long, though, so it's, it's a long uh, EP. But I thought, yeah, well, if he thinks it's good enough, so I sat down and listened to it for the first time, and I was like, yeah, well, this isn't too bad. And and I said, well, do your thing, and, and, and we'll see what comes out. And he took one day, and, and yeah. later that night, he sent it to me, and, and I was like, well, this is nice. So I just made a cover uh, for it real quick, and... Yeah. and, and and I'm, a, I'm talking about being perfect, but I'm kind of, you know, always going, oh, it should be a little more like that and a little more like that. Oh. And, and if you're too much like that, you never get it out, you know? Do you know what keeps me from being like that with, with my music? I do all my own mixing yeah. and everything. I, I send my mastering over to um, Frode Schinstad, mm. who, who you know as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um Hello, Froda. But but all the all the mixing and everything I do myself, and I spend very little time on that, and that is a blessing in that I don't really know what I'm doing when yeah. it comes to mixing. I record it, I take that rough sound, and I just run with it, mm. and that's that. Mm. So people who have more of a technical side, more knowledge of the technical side, can fall into that trap where things you just go on a loop when you you know you want to mix it then you want to remix it and then yeah. you have to mix it again yeah. and, and then you don't you get air fatigue yes. as well yeah and also when it comes to the you know the the humbleness of it you always need a second opinion because you get sure. stuck in a perspective and you, you need to get shaken out of your thing yes. sometimes yeah. by someone who, who can point out, well, what about this? And, oh, I didn't think about that. Or, mm-hmm. but I can't release it because of this note and what note? Well, this, this is a bad note. No, no, it's not. <laughs> I didn't hear it. Oh, really? Okay. Well, maybe it's not too bad after all. And you get all these nuances in there and, and all of a sudden you can let your shoulders down and go, well, I guess it's, it's nice yeah. And, and, yeah. and get it out there. It's, um, who is your go-to person or do you have a go-to person when you've recorded something that this is the guy that you want to listen to it to make sure it's okay? Not really. Uh, I, I let the universe kind of uh, take its course there. And yeah. um, if I need a second opinion, someone will manifest themselves yes. yeah. usually. Uh, and I get into a situation and I'm really good at reading body language and, and energies so i can tell when people are being polite and when they're honest yeah when you ask someone yeah how does this sound uh, yeah man this sounds yeah, good yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly that line and i'm like okay so i gotta go and do some more work <laughs> so instead of you know finding that one honest person I, i've kind of learned how to read people's reaction and see if that resonates with my uh, you know the suspicions that maybe that I part see. isn't good enough and so so you're not afraid to or, or let me ask you do you uh how often do you play your music for others before it's released because i'm very protective of my product it's I, much. I don't really let a lot of people listen to it no. until it's ready to Joni come Mitchell said that perfectly don't give yourself away 
in and uh, both, both sides, sides now. now. Yeah, and, and, you have the same music taste. Yeah, <laughs> well, we like good music. Yeah, absolutely. There's only two types. Good There's and only bad. two types, good and bad. Yeah. So, and I think you can use that um, Joni quote right here because, and that's also a Zen, Buddhist, and Taoist kind of uh, way of thinking that if you have, if you're creating something, if you're building something. Don't give yourself away because you uh, there will be a leakage of energy from the project that you're doing. Absolutely. Uh, and often we can, because we go, wow, this is going to be good. Oh, I have to tell my wife or I have to tell my brother or I have to tell someone because you want to share. Sure. It's, it's really natural. Yeah. But what to be really, really careful uh, about remembering about this is that the second you go through with that sharing prematurely, you will leak energy from the project. And then you'll wake up the next day or that instant, if you get, if you get uh, really skilled at recognizing it, you can feel that the, the moment you say the sentence, hey, guess what I did yesterday? Let me show you something. And you can just feel this, this lever going and, and energy start the pouring coming, yeah pouring the air is coming out of the balloon the air is coming out of the balloon you can just hear it and feel it and when you're you're done with that kind of premature um, satisfactory kind of thing you just feel that oh i lost momentum now a little yeah. bit of momentum i have to work a little bit harder to get back into that and if you do that too many times you can ruin totally complete projects i wonder if there are instances where artists they may call it writer's block or they may call it a period of 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 uh of inactivity i wonder if they have fallen into that trap of sharing too much of their project before it's finished and then outside opinions have caused that energy to leak out could be uh, i wonder i yeah well that could be i think there could be many reasons for that thing to happen it's all down to each person's psychology and sure. and, and how how we relate to our ego yeah. and if you've understood that there's an ego present that you have to recognize when the ego is talking and when it's your higher self and and letting like when it comes to writing and writer's block and stuff like that i don't have any I don't have writer's block anymore because I recognized writer's block for what it is. It's either trying to do something you're not capable of <laughs> or it's just you, again, trying to do something instead of just letting things flow through you. That's very interesting that you say that. I agree with that way of approaching songwriting, whether it's music or lyrics. Uh, I don't believe in writer's block, not for me. I'm either writing or I'm not. Mm. And if I'm not, it's okay. Mm. I've gone uh, almost a year at times without writing a single lyric. Um, and that's okay. It doesn't bother no, me. No. Um, I've had, uh, I'm in a very fortunate position here in Norway. I write for a lot of different bands and artists. It's an advantage to be an American. Sure. When there's a lot of Norwegians who want um, uh, English lyrics. Mm. <clears throat> so I've had projects where or i've had an artist give me a piece of music and they ask for lyrics and it's taken i'm thinking of my friend and i got a a song from him back in 20 or i'm sorry 2004 
and it mm-hmm. wasn't written until his country album that came out in what was that twenty fourteen or fifteen. Mm. Ten years. Mm. No problem. That's just the way it went. You know? It's just the way it went. And I have songs that go way back that I just keep in my drawer and Yeah. Um, the time will come when they're when they're supposed to be out. If they're supposed to be out, they'll kind of yeah. you start rattling the the, <laughs> the cage, going. There's something going on here. But right now, the like the past decade, I've been. Uh, I wrote my record during the 2000s, or actually since '96 up during the t- 2000s, I wrote oh. my record and I released it in 2006. It's a long process. It's a long process. And in the meantime there, I also went to Germany and studied early music, like Renaissance music and Baroque music and stuff like that. And I I thought I was going to become a lutenist, you know, just play Uh the Tiorbo and the lute and and stuff. But but Destiny didn't work out that way. And um, But the knowledge and the... Uh, that I got from that stint uh, has shaped me. And looking back now, I can see, aha, this is what I was doing. Because yeah. because then the past decade or so, I, I went into a lot of improvising and I kind of worked on my improvising skills. And I started out playing kind of what we call pling-plong music, yeah. like atonal stuff, yeah, which helped really... D- I didn't have to think too much about harmony and, and tonality. I could just think about ways of listening. Yeah. Because that's what, what it boils down to. How do you listen? Like, like um, for instance, if, if, I, uh, if you think back on some of the greatest concerts that you ever went to, at least in my life, some of those concerts I didn't plan on going I see. To see, so I didn't have any expectations. Right. So I just get into this hall and what's going on here? And wow, you know. <laughs> or, or I can like one time I was at the Roskilde Festival and I thought I'd done all the concerts I was going to do that day. It was like four thirty in the morning. Okay. <laughs> and I was kind of you know that Roskilde four thirty in the morning vibe <laughs> in my head. So I was kind of, kind of you know thinking about going to bed, and I went down to the camp. And I sat down uh, uh, just to have a chat uh, with my friend before I went to sleep. And then I heard these guitar chords in the distance. Uh-huh. I was like, I know this music. What is this? Man, it sounds like... It sounds like Wilco. And I was like, Wilco? And, and I'm like, but they're not in the program. No. But that's Wilco. And I just got up and I ran and... Yeah. Four thirty in the morning, surprise concert with Wilco. Wow! And, and that's one of the most memorable concerts that I've ever been to. And, 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 and later, I was kind of thinking, why was this so special? Because I didn't know it was going to happen. I right. didn't have any expectations. I hadn't prepared myself for the Wilco concert. I really hope they play that song, and yeah. I really hope they play some Uncle Tupelo stuff. And maybe they'll do that AM uh, record. And I didn't have any of those thoughts. I just wow, this is music I like. And it just 
fell into my lap. Well, and now I can appreciate it without any preconceptions or any... I was just going to say, sometimes we appreciate, uh, very often, not just sometimes, but very often we appreciate these unexpected things, these unexpected experiences. Because you don't put yourself into no the equations. Exactly. And there's no expectations. Yeah, No expectation. Because expectation takes away... The experience takes well, expe away from the experience. Expectations cause a lot of hurt feelings and disappointment. Exactly. So trying to live my life recognizing those pitfalls, you know, that kind of takes away. And, and if, you, if you focus your mind like that, you start to see the subtleties, I think the little so. nuances, yeah. the little blink of light that gives you this tingle down your spine. And you go, wow. What a beautiful nanosecond that was of my life, you know? This sounds a lot like what, uh, what Prince, <clears throat> may he rest in peace, always used to talk about, uh, a different level of awareness. Yeah, most um, definitely. It's not like you're better than anyone because you have this other level <laughs> of experience, but you, you have it, and it brings a totally different perspective and a totally different peace. Yeah. And a, a totally different satisfaction in one's life because you're not expecting so much. You're I, just experiencing things yeah. as they happen. Again, from the Tao Te Ching, it says that uh, colors blind the eye and sounds deafens the ear and tastes or, or, or taste numbs the tongue. Mm. Meaning that if you always need more sugar and more salt and always need more cowbell <laughs> you know more cowbell <laughs> if you always have this I, yeah but it's going to be good as soon as I get a little more of this you know you're down the wrong path you'll never be able to enjoy or feel the joy in, in what is happening to you here and now no you will never because you think that well exactly it's, it comes from not living in the present moment thinking that the next moment will always has to be better than this yeah. because this is what we this is what life's all about making this future place a really really nice place to be i count my blessings i consider myself fortunate because i have that way of thinking i have that approach towards life and Sometimes I, I don't like to spend a lot of time, uh, uh, you know, rehashing my life, but sometimes I, I, I can sit back and wonder, how did I get to where I am now? Because I feel pretty good in life right now. Great. And I don't have an answer for that. I don't know how I... Good. I'm glad. <laughs> and, and, and you know what? And, and I was just going to... I think that that is a good thing. Yeah. Um, I don't want to know what it is. I want to just keep on moving along and keep on experiencing what I'm experiencing. Is that a is that a Taoist way? Of yeah, but I guess it's. My, I remember a Tom Petty quote. Tom Petty said that uh, there's some magic going on. I don't know what's happening. I just want to be able to smoke a joint and write a song. I don't want to know how that what goes on. Yeah. You know, Tom said, and, and bless his soul as well. And and I was like, yeah, right on, man, because that's where the kind of, um, there's some higher level of, of awareness that kind of, call it God, call it the universe, call it whatever you will. Uh -huh. But you can just feel your ego disappearing and you can just feel yourself channeling something. Something. And all the best songs I've written, like I've I've had a couple of hits on the radio, and 
they all took 10 minutes, minutes to ride. Mm -hmm. And no comparison, except that I heard Bob Dylan say the same thing that, you know, like blowing in the wind 10 minutes yeah. on, on, on a napkin uh, at a diner, you know. And that's, that's what I feel whenever you kind of fall into this alignment with, with everything and you step away for, out of your own way. And then it comes. And then it just flows, and you just have to go grab that moment. Thinking mm -hmm. of songwriting, do you ever feel that thing, that feeling, mm. and then you go and you sit down and you write because you can feel something opening up? That's how I work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I am. Um, one of my heroes, Richard Thompson. He gets up in the morning and goes to the office, and at five he's done. Mm. I can't work like that. No. I just wander around in the woods and all of a sudden I get this full song in my head and I just take out my iPhone and then I just sing it into that and then this thing this yeah. little this little rectangle device here yeah. has uh it's it's got a lot of uh, uh memory space and there are so many little snippets of whether I'm speaking the lyrics or whether I'm humming the tune because I get that as well this thing happens. I can't describe it. I don't want to say it's like a door that opens or a window that opens, but something happens and I get that feeling, you know, I can feel the yeah. hair rising up yeah. on my forearms yeah. and give it half a second. And then boom, there's the idea for the song or, or for the lyric. Um, maybe it's that higher level. And again, I don't want to say any, I don't want this to sound arrogant, but there is a higher level of, thinking or maybe a higher level of feeling where these things just happen and it, then if you're prepared for it then you just let it fall into your life that's that's well put if you're prepared for it i think every entity has or at least human being has the potential for it but you have to be you have to be prepared. You have to prepare yourself. I think you have to have a certain amount of peace with yourself and with your situation. Because uh, maybe going back to that thing about expectations, if you're, if you're in this expectant mood, mm. in this expectant state of being where you're always looking for something to get better, you're always looking for the next step and you're not present in the moment, you're not satisfied with the moment you're going to miss those opportunities that's what i mean when i say be prepared you have to be prepared for those things yeah because that's like norm mcdonald says you know uh, uh -huh. good old norm yeah life's all about i mean life's all about moments you know i mean life is nothing but moments yeah short moments I, in a string you know, so so just now's a moment, and now's a moment, and now and, and and those moments will never come back. Yeah. What a great mind, Norm Macdonald. Yeah, Norm is great. He he is, <clears throat> of course, he's a stand-up comedian, but I think that he is one of our eminent philosophers. Mm -hmm. That man has such an intelligent mind. Oh, yeah. He can get on stage, or or he can be a guest on a talk show or something. And if you just look at the surface of it, you think this guy's a clown, or he's crazy, or he's a weirdo. Maybe but, that is crazy is the first thing people think. <laughs> but he has such a deep intelligence. Oh yeah. And there's nothing fake about that. He is really being himself. Yeah. 
He knows the human condition on yes, a deep he does. level. Yes, yeah, he does. Yeah. What, a, what a great mind. <laughs> what a great mind, yeah. I One of my that. life goals is to, to, to be able to speak to that guy somehow. <laughs> somehow. Just to have a couple of minutes of his time. A couple of minutes with Norm McDonald it would be great. Yeah. What a great guy. You had uh, the opportunity, you, you did actually uh, perform uh, with the Hellbillies, the great Norwegian band. Did yeah. you not? Yeah. You were, that project that you had with Jürgen. Uh, well, we supported and, them on tour. Were, okay, I, I never okay. been on stage with them. You know, with the band. Okay, because they were—they're so famous for pulling their opening act and putting them up on the stage with them. You didn't get that. Well, uh, I've known known them since the dawn of time. Okay. So for me, it's just they're my buddies and friends. Yeah. I know them really well, and I love uh, those guys. Yeah, they're great. They're great. They're they're maybe the only kind of full blown. Uh, rock and roll, you know, like you could say, like the Rolling Stones or something like, yeah. like th- this, this, this kind of um, uh, institution that's been <laughs> on the road forever. <laughs> yeah, and they always put out quality, and they always sell out their tours. And you know, it's we, we haven't had many bands. So I think they're they're kind of unique in in little Norway when it comes to being that living that dream. Yes, they are so well loved. Everything they do is is success. Um, I love them. They were the first Norwegian band that I knew when I moved to Norway. Mm. And it's kind of funny how that happened. Um, this was in 2002. I had just moved here, uh, relatively newly married, not even two years married with my wife. And we moved here to Norway Mm. and I met her brother and he says to me, uh, and this is very early before I had started learning Norwegian. He says, John, you know, it's going to be hard for you to learn Norwegian and uh, but I, kn- I know you're a musician so maybe you can combine your music ear with your language ear and to make that easy listen to this band the Hellbillies yeah. and we're smiling because we know they sing in a very special very special <laughs> and isolated dialect yeah. um, so my brother or my brother-in-law was being halfway joking by telling me to listen to this in order to ah. learn Norwegian. But the funny thing is, and so, so I started listening to them and I had the grasp of the basic grammar and I had some of the vocabulary uh, uh, with me. But then when they would say certain things that they say that was totally outside of the common Drummond way of speaking. So I would ask my wife, what does this mean? What does that mean? And she would tell me, and I have words and phrases to this day, because I didn't take a Norwegian class. I learned on my own. So I have words and phrases to this day (laughs) that are from that (laughs) dialect. That's funny. Um, It's very funny. (laughs) So I speak like a mishmash of Norwegian dialects. Well, it's kind of like I grew up... It's all their fault. (laughs) It's the way the mind works. I, I mean, I spent... The two years before I started school in in Australia, my family um, moved there and lived there for a couple of years. So that's basically where I learned to speak English. Of course, with an Australian accent. Yeah. And I spoke English uh, with an Australian accent until about 79 when we moved to New Orleans in Louisiana. Yeah. And I all of a sudden got that southern drawl going. Yeah. And my dad moved to Houston, and I, I, I spent some time in Houston, so I had a little, little more of that Texas drawl seeping in. And when I moved to L.A. in 89, 
people say, so where, where you're from in the South? You know, and I'm like, oh man, where, where where to start? Actually, I used to speak Australian accent English, but I'm from Norway, and and people were okay, whatever. You know, this is too much. So, uh, but but what stuck with me uh, was kind of that southern drawl, because I can do it if I really want yeah. to. You know, I can speak yeah. like do now in New Orleans. Cause, cause it just stuck with me. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I entered, entered puberty when I was down there, you know. So there you go. <laughs> well, you know, and, and and my the the roots of my Norwegian are in Finnmark because mm. when we moved here. We lived with my wife's parents out in Hudum, mm. but her father is uh, was he's he's passed now uh, from Finnmark. Samisk uh, from cool. Finnmark. So that first summer, uh, I was hanging out with him constantly all day long. We were doing different projects around his house and whatnot. Mm. And he spoke Norwegian to me. I didn't know what he was saying, but I heard that's what I heard. I heard that Finnmark mm. dialect. So I remember people around here making fun of me, or, or at least looking at me kind of sideways. What is? Why is this black dude from uh, the states living down in southern Norway speaking this yeah. northern dialect? <laughs> but that is the root of my. And then, of course, later on we moved up there. So then that Finnmark base really got enforced. We've we've lived longer up north than we have down here. We moved here in 2014. Uh, before that, we were up north. So I, I, I love. I mean, I love things that turn people's conceptions on oh, their yeah. on their head, you know. Absolutely. Because that's what we to get a little bit serious. I mean, in the these times where things are so polarized and and so many important issues are talked about, um, I, I really think that like we talked about earlier that like this guy who wanted to fight and I talked about his jacket that's kind of the approach I I try to have because people expect that we're going to talk about racism now so you're going to have this position and I'm going to no 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 I just try to fight it's really difficult at times sure, now but sure. but to kind of you know be abstract and be be weird about it so we can get around these places that get us stuck in ideologies and in 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 in, in concepts. Yes. Yeah. Because we don't need concepts. We're yeah. animals, basically, and we're human beings. Saying that we're animals doesn't mean that I don't think we're spiritual, because I I, I think we are. But we're nature. We are nature, and and we have forgotten that we are nature. Yeah. And that's why we have so many problems. We've forgotten our commonality. Yeah. Um, I wish, when, you know, looking at it from a from a political uh, uh, standpoint, mm -hmm. I wish that there was less left and right, less Democrat and Republican, and more right and wrong. That's good. Well put. But don't you think that's what's actually going on now? Well, that the, the well, far left and the far right is starting to, to uh, 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 kind of null themselves out kind of because exactly. they're people getting are, so extreme exactly and and most people are reasonable most people, most people see what's really going nice. on and so we're starting to see more of that reasonableness if that's a word mm -hmm. to come forward mm -hmm. and i do believe um you know without turning this into a political podcast i do believe that this coming election in the united states is going to be pivotal i do believe that a lot of the misdirection that we've had, this this um, this stagnation, 
is going to end with this next election, regardless of how it comes out. Mm, okay, yeah, okay. If the current administration gets voted in again, of course that's going to be pivotal because I think a lot of people are going to just throw their hands up and say, oh, well, the United States we once knew is gone. The, the idea of democracy is now gone. Um, but if, that, if the current administration gets voted out, I do believe that people will be, we're kind of, they're going to breathe a sigh of relief and then they're going to go back and rethink this concept of the United States, this concept of democracy. And I think they're going to tighten some holes that has mm. these holes that have allowed the United States to get into the current situation. So one way or the other, there's going to be a drastic change in the states, I believe. People are tired of the extremes, right and left. I, I, I was really hopeful this fall as supporting Bernie. Yeah. And I would follow you to a T on what you just said if Bernie or Andrew Yang was one of the candidates. But unfortunately... They're not, unfortunately. It's Joe Biden. And for me, that's one step ahead and three steps back. It's back into establishment. It's back into that Hillary Clinton kind of vibe. It's back into that old school way of thinking. So for me, if Biden gets the presidency, it's kind of a putting everything on hold, like a pause. But if we got some progressive voice in there, like, well, I think that Bernie's, he's, he's, he won't be doing this again because he's too old. He's but, too old, yeah. But Andrew Yang is a really, really interesting I guy. really, it blows my mind that the Democrats have chosen Joe Biden. Not that he's a bad choice but he is far from the best choice when we had people like it's, it's too old school it's it's but i think i think going to that old school thing is a huge change from what we are with right now because yeah, but listen here's what, what i thought or hope because this, this is an old school what we have now no this but isn't. this is how i think about it None of us expected Trump to, to, to get elected. He didn't expect to get elected. Nobody expected. And then he got elected. And then I had to go, okay, I have to find new ways of looking at this because <laughs> the old narratives don't fit, you know? And then I came to this way of thinking about it. We are in a place of, of transition. I mean, the whole Western, the whole globe humanity is shifting yeah. America is a really big part of that shift because of the power that the country has had in the world for yeah. the last 200 years so it's who's president in the states is really, it's really very important. important for the world yeah we had the establishment that is corrupt and we know that the Clintons make no mistake you know uh, we're going to see that bushes on, before them, yeah, and, and the bushes, and everything. The, yeah, we're going to yeah. see the, all this unfold now in the in the months and years to come, and all the truth 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 will be um, uh, uh, spilled, and everything will come forth. But so so I was thinking, so what's Trump's function? Well, <laughs> he is the harrow. The what? The harrow. The harrow and the harvest. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's the harrow. Yeah. He go comes in with a harrow and he just harrows up that establishment field of stagnant yeah. earth 
that just he's is full of corruption. He's and turning the soil. He's turning to, the soil. Yeah. So that he got four years of turning the soil. And then if someone sensible like Sanders or Yang could come in with new seeds, brand new seeds, and sowing the new future, that was kind of what it looked like to me. But Biden's seeds to sow are not the best quality. No, they're not. But... Here's here's where I have hope for change. Let's see who he chooses as his vice presidential totally, candidate. Totally agree. Let's see what kind of cabinet he chooses. Sure. Let's see what kind of Congress gets elected. See where see what you're we're getting. I at. do believe that Biden is very old school, but I think something new is going to come with him. I think he is going to be the figurehead, if you will, mm-hmm. of a progressive movement. But he will be that old school figurehead that gives this progressive movement legitimacy. Now, I personally don't believe that the progressive movement needs any more legitimacy than no. it has. I think it's very legitimate. Yeah. But there are still people in the United States and maybe even across the world who feel that it has a certain amount of of newness, if you will, a certain amount of illegitimacy Mm -hmm. that demands a figurehead like Joe Biden at the head. Maybe. I think that that's what's going to happen. I think we're going to have an old school president, an old school figurehead, so to speak, who will be fronting the new wine, a new progressive movement. That's what I think. It could be, could be. I, I've seen That's that. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, the thing is that uh, there's, it's in, it's it's fun to look at all the possibilities, because people predict. Well, this is going to happen. I'm so sure this is going to happen. Where most of the time, there's a lot of possible futures. It depends on things. Yeah. This is this is. Um, I don't remember the name of this theory, but I I usually use an analogy of a snowball and a mountain, uh, and the way this w- law of nature works. And that is, if if I stand at the top of the mountain, you stand at the foot of it, <clears throat> John, and I have the snowball, and I. I tip it over to the top of of the mountainside, yeah. and you 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 watch this happening. And when the snowball starts rolling, you think it could end anywhere. I don't know what where that snowball is going to fall and or end up. But the closer it gets to to the foot of the mountain, you you get to predict. Yeah. Yeah. And when you get good at that exercise, you can fairly early see this snowball is going to end up here. Yeah, and this is a skill of, uh, and it's a skill that you develop um, through observing the laws of nature, and and that's why I think it's much more interesting than than having different views that oh I mean this and I think this is going to happen and I think this no it's just sit and talk because no one knows no one knows no one will know no one knows it doesn't matter how educated you are how experienced you are it doesn't matter no one knows the future but you can predict um, a certain amount of plausible outcomes yes if this happens this is likely to happen but if this goes that way then this other thing is likely to happen let's talk in that temperament of the plausible outcomes right because it doesn't matter if your hat is red or blue it doesn't matter it's just 
doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Like, it goes back to what I was saying about how, how I wish there was less right and left, less Democrat and Republican, yeah. and more right or wrong. Yeah. Because right or wrong, you can, you can at least kind Hold of... Hold on one second. Hey, Snoop, would you mind cooking up another pot of coffee? You can do that? Huh? Yeah, we're still alive. Great, great coffee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The infamous Snoopy, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much, you I sweet little thing. I like the way you describe uh, the current president as one who is turning the soil. Yeah, but- I, say, I say it a little bit more direct, I guess. I, uh, in part of my stand-up routine, I say that he is the enema. <laughs> the cleaning of the bowels that America has needed. Well, it's very uncomfortable. It stinks. It's ugly to watch. But afterwards, afterwards, you feel so much better. And and that that's I think that's well, it's it's a lot funnier when I tell it in my stand up act. But I, I think it's you're a, going. Yeah. I think it's I think this is a process that the United States has had to go through. Uh, there's been so much wrong in our politics. So here comes this guy. He's shaking up the system. Like it or not, he's shaking up the system. But I truly believe... First of all, I hope that this next election votes him out. And then I hope that my thought is correct that with a new uh, administration comes some comes that 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 cleaning effect that a that mm-hmm. a uh, that an enema <laughs> is supposed to have i hope we have cleaned ourselves now the, the the reason i talk about trump as a soil turner mm. and not an enema <laughs> is the connotations i see because i try to there's so much loaded language you know, and and, there is. and we have we have feelings towards words. You know, when you say enema, you get the associations you get. You know, if <laughs> but you doesn't say, it fit? Isn't it ugly? Isn't yeah. The, isn't the intestines of the American political system dirty now? Not, isn't it? Of course it is. To- Don't get me wrong. I think Trump's. You know, uh, I. I disapprove of him as much yeah. as the next guy. Yeah. yeah. But I try to look when it okay, so it came to this then. Yeah. So why did it come to this? How did it come to this? And trying to keep that perspective of the whole organism, the ant hill that we live on. Yeah. Rather than going and picking out this one queen ant or this one ant and going, oh, you're a bad ant. Yeah. No, no, there's something in the ant hill structure that produces this possibility. I think that's much more interesting because it takes away my 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 um, f- loading people with values. I see. And this, this comes from a, a, also a Taoist way of thought, which goes like this. When people see some things as beautiful, other things become ugly. When people see some things as good, other things become bad. See, being and non-being create each other. Difficult and easy support each other. Long and short define each other. High and low depend on each other. Before and after follow each other. Therefore, the master acts without doing anything. And T 
teaches without saying anything. Things arise and she lets them come. Things disappear and she lets them go. She has but doesn't possess. She acts but doesn't expect. When her work is done, she forgets it. That is why it lasts forever. Ah. So this is how I try to look at things. Yeah. Don't get get my emotions of what I think is Can right you send or that wrong. To me? Of course. Yeah. Of, of what I think is right or wrong or good good or bad because that has changed throughout the years, you know? And it's just an opinion. And, uh, it's, every and it's just an opinion, yeah. Every person has a different opinion based on their experience. And, 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 yeah, experience in life on this earth. And, I mean, at one time, I thought it was a good idea to stay out all night drinking. Have, and, have you been a partier? Yeah. Yeah? But now, I don't look at that as, as a good idea. And got a good way of spending my time. But I I, I don't go back and say, oh, I was a bad person back then. Because I would never have come to the realization that I've come to now if I hadn't been to that party. If I hadn't been hurling that morning, you know? (laughs) Thank you, Snoopy. It's that this is what life is. You experience, you put your hand on the on the hot plate, and you go, I ain't doing that again. Yeah. Uh, one sec. Snoopy, would you help? Can you? <laughs> I'm putting Snoopy to work, everybody. Got, got a little bit windy here, so she's going to take the tent flaps. And, and I'm going to just do that. Yeah. yeah, please. Thank you so much. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, 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 try not to value things, but just observe them, and say, okay, if this is allowed to continue, it will not be uh, good for whatever, you know. Yeah. But, but I don't. So I'm a bit harsh in comparing this to a colon cleanse. (laughs) <laughs> but but it's not unusual it's it's the way most people think you know you use yeah. these analogies to to, yeah. to talk, talk, talk about you use heaven and hell basically uh, so so i'm the weird one i'm the i'm the outside guy when it comes to this big big and, and people some, some will do you support trump then and i'm like no try to far from it far from it try to listen to what i say i just don't get my emotions involved in in him being such a bad person yeah. because it tires me i become exhausted yeah yeah you know there was a time i i remember i remember the day after the election uh it was announced that he won excuse me excuse me and i i went to the gym to train here locally uh and i walk in and there's a table full of older guys they've been there for years mm. and i wasn't expecting i wasn't really thinking about the election of course i was very disappointed <sighs> in the results but i walk in and this flabbergasted in this one yeah i was but you know when i when i train when i'm at the gym that's my time to train and i clear my mind of all those distracting things but this one older guy uh, i'm not going to say his name but he's a he's he's one of those people who likes to dig and pick and tease and i know the of, type oh yeah <laughs> And he jumped on me right away when I walked in. Yeah, some, you know, some comment like, "Yeah, well, how about your president now?" And I, 
I like to think of myself as a man who has control. We talked about emotions and whatnot, but I got so pissed off. I went sure. from zero to a thousand in half a second sure. when he said that. And, and of course I cal- I calmed down right away and, and actually was able to crack a joke and smile about it. And then I went in and did my workout. But for the rest of that day, for a couple of days afterwards, I was thinking about that, about how disappointed I was in my nation how scary it was that that kind of a person was going to now be called the leader of my nation. And what was I going to do about it? Mm. And I decided after a couple of days of thought that I cannot, of course I'm upset. Of course I'm disappointed, you know, back to expectations and whatnot, uh, but I cannot let it dictate my life. I cannot be, you know, you see these people online now, it seems as if they live their lives, whether they're for or against Trump, they live their lives according to him and what he says Mm -hmm. that day. And I, I decided way back then in 2016, I cannot live my life like that. So I have distanced myself from that feeling of disappointment. I have, um, uh, if I engage anyone in discussion about it, it's like we're talking right now. I just want to talk about it. I don't yell, don't scream. I don't (laughs) finger point. Why, why do that? It's not going to change the situation. It can be very... It's just going to give you a heart attack. Eventually. But on the other side, I don't want to avoid this situation. I don't want to avoid the conversation because I like to talk about political issues and social issues. It's very enlightening to hear someone else's opinion. Uh, it helps to shape my opinion or my awareness of the situation. Exactly. So to, to live one's life according to who is the president is an interesting choice to make, but to totally ignore the po- political situation is also a very interesting choice. Well, I'm somewhere in the middle. I like to discuss it. I like to be aware of how other people feel about it. I like to share my feelings about it when asked. I, th- I think that's a really good approach and be, 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 be open to, un- to understanding where people come from. Mm-hmm. Like, how come someone will vote for Trump? Well, he was the perfect guy because because of the crack in in seven was it the or uh, like the late yeah two thousand six and seven six, was six it? and yeah. seven yeah that left a lot of Americans really really disillusioned. And, and disappointed uh, and, and angry at oh, the yeah. system. Ex- exposed and hurting exactly. and angry, yeah. And then all of a sudden you get this new guy that comes and speaks very simple. Straightforward and straightforward simple. Straightforward and simple. And to, to all those people who were already fed up, he was the perfect guy to come sure. in and be their savior, so and, to speak. And he was very calculated in his approach. Uh, a lot of people like to say he's stupid, he's dumb, he's not oh, very no, intelligent. No, no. I think it's quite the opposite. He's not he stupid. has a spooky kind of genius. He knew where the crack in the system was, and he found the way to wiggle into it and then stretch himself out and expose that. I don't know how conscious it was. I just think that it I think was, he was very conscious. Do you I think, think so? Oh, I think he meant <laughs> absolutely. I, I I don't think he expected to be president. I don't think he wanted to be president, but I think he wanted to 
do something to make his financial endeavors more mm. profitable. Mm. So I think yeah. he was very. I, I think, think you're he, right. Yeah, maybe, maybe he was planning on starting some some new news channel, yeah. uh, something even further to the side of Fox News or something. I don't know what that was, but I think he had some sort of financial plan. So he was very calculated in what he was doing. I think that's a good analysis. I don't. I don't think he expected to win either, and. You just wanted to stir it up. Yeah, let's see. Let's see. That's a little... I need your power lifting arms yeah. for this. Watch Too this. much coffee. Out Watch this. It's fin- finesse. <laughs> no power here. It's finesse. Oh, okay. Watch this. Look at that. See? Yeah. Finesse. Whoa. Look at that. There's a gentle side to this physique over so here. So this, uh, what John is doing now, he's kind <laughs> of pushing the thing on the coffee maker down. It's a press can. The press can, yes. Very softly yeah. and slowly. And finesse, my friend. Finesse. Finesse in coffee making. Yeah, so let's move on. I'm sick and tired of Trump <laughs> now. <laughs> I, I want to go back to... Uh, I want to go a little bit back to uh, art, music. And yeah, whatnot. better. Much more better. You, um, what, what was that like opening for the Hellbillies? What was the largest venue oh, that you Oh, that was fun. At? I don't remember. Maybe it was uh, Olafshallen in Trondheim. How many people? 1,200 or something. There you go, brother. Thank you. Some coffee for you. All right. But it was more doing the tour because they're always sold out. Yeah. So we started. The first gig we did was uh, Mai Haugen uh, at Lillehammer which is um, kind of a legendary place in Norway. And Snoopy and I got married up in Lillehammer. Ah, yeah. nice. Yeah. And, um, but my Hagen is, uh, there's a seated audience, Yeah. which is always good. When people get to stand and hold a beer, it's always, always too much uh, noise. And, yeah. and, I toured with Jürgen and Jürgensen, which is a bluegrass duo. I love, I love Jürgen. I love He's that guy. He's a great guy. I was fortunate enough to play with him. Oh, fantastic. He's, in, he's in, in, in my band for a little while. Yeah, yeah, he's such a good guy. And But the thing that we did that old school with just one mic, standing around the mic and, and, and playing, right, yeah. no, no chords played. That's in. right, yeah. So we kind of, you know, we, we need people to pay attention, you know? So the gigs that were most memorable were, for, for all the good reasons, were those gigs where we played shows where people are seated. And my Hagen is probably the best, uh, the one that springs to mind. And, but touring with Hellblies is is so great because it's such an oiled and well-tuned machine. Well, as we, as we said earlier, they're one of the best, probably the best in the country. Yeah, but not only the band, but years. the whole... Well, their whole crew. The whole crew, yeah. everything and is they, just... And they've mm, been doing it for smooth. years, so they know what they're doing. How, how did you get that gig? Who who approached I, you? I, I approached Lars Hovart. Ah. I just sent him an, uh, a text and said, uh, "Hey, I got this new duo going, and um, if you're looking for support for your next tour, we're, we'll we're you ready." Sent him, a, sent him a demo, and I think I sent him a demo, yeah, oh. or or some. We had a record coming out, so I think I sent him some of the raw mixes from the record. And three days later, I just got 
That's this is what I love about this 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 uh, business yeah. that we're in. Yeah. So I didn't hear anything for three days, and then I just got, hey, husband, well, that's cool. So this is how we'll we do it, and then then I got the whole itinerary and wow. everything. Wow! Instead of going, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll talk to the other I'll guys for. You. I'll get Bob. He just skipped that whole thing. I just didn't right hear anything it. for three days, and then I got the whole itinerary and the whole plan and everything going. I'm I'm totally so fascinated by those by those guys. Oh yeah, here comes Snoop. She's wearing my favorite powerlifting shirt she's probably going to go painting and ruin it okay uh <laughs> no, I, digress you digress, we, we digress. My friend. <laughs> no we um i am i am totally fascinated by that band i i was very fortunate i got to this is when einstein remel was recording his country album we recorded at um at uh large volt Stoll's studio yeah, yeah. Out in Speed the Bad yeah. and of course, that's the home of the Hellbillies. Yeah, Lars was the engineer on the tour that we did uh, yeah. as well. And a great guy, by the way. Yeah, beautiful. So. Um, that's when I got to meet the great producer, uh, Elliot Mazer. Wow. There's a whole story in that. That's a whole other podcast, though. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I mentioned to Lars Voldstahl when we were there in the studio that I was a Hellbillies fan. I think he actually he commented my, my dialect. As I said, it's, it's a mishmash of dialects and i said something in the hellbillies dialect i don't remember what it was he's like oh where did you learn i said well through the hellbillies so we started talking very briefly about the hellbillies and i said i'm such a fan of them and they it's their fault that i talk the way i do so he says you know i have to send a message to to Lars Hovard. so so Lars um Voldstall, he filmed me and i just went right into comedian mode um uh, I put on like a very street, like a Chicago street uh, way of talking. And I was cussing out Lars Hovard for ruining, and I put this in air quotes, for ruining the way I speak Norwegian and saying it was all his fault. And he sent that video off <laughs> to, Lars, to Lars Hovard. I waited a couple of weeks and then I sent a message to Lars Hovard on uh, social media and asked him, did he see the video? He's like, yes, thank you. It was very, so every once in a while I chat back and forth. I've never had the pleasure of meeting him, but his musicianship is, to me, is jaw-dropping. The things that that man does on the guitar it's amazing it's uh, amazing it's, to me it's just this prototype of this he is a nerdy real... like you're sitting in your, your room just playing your doing your tops and rehearsing and rehearsing and rehearsing and just I call him honing. a I call him a guitarophile yeah <laughs> everything about guitar and music he is he seems to just want to dive headfirst into it yeah, and get as much he, as he he's can he's the real deal basically yeah. you know he's uh, a nerd yeah. yeah, but but guitar nerds are at least from our generation, from way back, we were really cool guys. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Well, look at the guitarists you've been uh, you've been uh, profiling on your social media: uh, Eddie Van Halen, Neil Sean, uh -huh. um, the gentleman from Boston, um, Tom Scholz. Tom Scholz. He's the guy who made me want to play guitar. Yeah, you said that. Yeah, because yeah, uh, I played drums the guy at the is a time. Wizard. Yeah, I played drums. I'd never heard Boston, and and we moved to the states in '79 or early or late '78, and I heard "Don't Look Back" by Boston on the radio, and it blew my mind. I was like, 
what's that sound? How can an electric guitar sound like yeah. that? No one in Norway sounds like that. No, no. So I, I guess I'll have to play, start playing the guitar to get that sound to Norway. And that's what I did, you know. So I got back and I got a Marshall stack, a Plexi, you know, 68 yeah. stack. And uh, my brother's Gibson Les Paul custom from 74. It has to be a Les Paul. Well, that, that's what I started on. Yeah. I, I learned my first amp was a 68 Marshall Super Bass with 810 cabinet. I mean, it's a rig that would get me 60,000 kroners yeah. today if I'd kept yeah. it, you know. Yeah. Like legendary and uh, and loud. And But, you know, that's the sound. And, and, and I always had got compliments on my sound before I got compliments on my playing back in the day. So you were able to nail down your guitar tone relatively early. I, I, I found it really qu quickly. Yeah. And I got, I remember Ivan Orset, a great Norwegian guitar player, heard me playing when I was only 16 yeah. in a rehearsal space. He was in the other room. And I met him out in the hall and I said, is that you playing guitar in there? And I said, yeah. And he said, great sound. I tell you, that's uh, that's a compliment right there. That's a great compliment. And I was like, yes, because that's what I wanted to. Okay, now I've got the sound. Now I, I got to learn how to play this thing. It was kind of that way. Was it me. a rough journey to, to get the technicalities of playing down? Or did it come easy yeah, for you? No, it really, really rough. I kind of gave up. And I took it up again uh, when I was like... 21, 22, I kind of gave up that sh trying to be a shredder thing. Okay. And I developed more of a rhythm guitar player, um, singer-songwriter approach to I it. I see. Because I, I, I was exhausted from playing the pentatonics and do it, trying to decipher Van Halen and all that. Remember, that was before the, the internet. You know, yeah. So we slowed down. I, I slowed down the <laughs> record with my yep. finger, yep. and I had to transpose in my head yep. at the same time with the sound moving up and down because I couldn't keep it steady. And right, right. this was how we deciphered stuff. You know, you had to listen. Yeah. Uh, today you can just go go out and find the files on yeah. on the and put them into super slow down, and you yeah. can get yeah. everything yeah. at the tempo you want. Yeah. It wasn't like that um, back then, and uh, it was more and, raw, more organic back then. But when uh, when uh, the internet opened up and YouTube came, and and, and the uh, the information was more accessible. So when I was forty, I started working on my technical chops again. I see. And uh, and really, well, that's a long break. Uh, yeah, it was a really long break. So, are you as comfortable now? As a 50-something, are you as comfortable now playing that electric rock with the more technical thing as you are with these beautiful acoustic numbers? Or are you more of an acoustic man now? No. Um, if I started a project yeah. and, and and I asked you to be a, the rock, you know, a rock... I could do it. You could do it. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I do that really well, To not to blow my own horn, but I think I do that really well. I do some studio gigs every now and then. Yeah. I did a gig this uh, right before the quarantine. I did a normal session gig no. where I played electric guitar okay. on a record. What kind of music was it? Uh, that was kind of a country rock uh, okay. kind of a thing, project. No. Uh, so I do that, and I love to play those all AOR kind of journey riffs. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, uh, I do that really well. Yeah. I, I, I have to 
Well, it's your foundation. It's where well, you it's my foundation. I, to brag a bit, uh, it's a great guy from England called Aid Emsley. He works for Orange Amps. Ah, yeah. He works. He builds basically the custom shop amps oh, really? for Orange. So he works with Mastodon and Br- Brett Hines. And uh, well, I got to know him on this really weird uh, way. He plays the bass aid, and um, and I was invited here in Norway, Hen Drummond, actually, to the same party, which was a celebration of hair metal basically and I was invited to do my Van Halen thing so I brought my Charvel and and brushed off my my old Van Halen chops super strat and we put a band together with Mike Cross from Halloween uh, like a and he he also played with um, with uh, what's that Huge German metal band, the Scorpions. Scorpions, yeah, yeah. Wow. He was he was um, a drummer for them. Uh-huh. So all these right, correct, you know, uh, yeah. heritage guys yeah, yeah. in there. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, we played a little late, so I was I had a, a couple of too many beers to drink, so I, so I wasn't right there. But but after we did the the show, Aid Emsley came up to me and he said. I could tell you had a little too much to drink, so I'm not going to talk about that, he said. (laughs) But you have that rawness that I never hear anyone has. Uh I've heard people play the Van Halen stuff cleaner than you, but none has that sound. Uh Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's that's what I went for when I was 15. I wanted to nail that sound. And it's all about how you approach, how you hit the strings, but also intent. Fast forward till today, the thing I'm most comfortable with is just improvising on my acoustic. I see. And just letting the universe dictate. And, and, And if you go into my Instagram, you find that, you know? And if you get my new record, the isolation record, you find that that's what I'm doing there. I'm just sitting down, turning on my effects and my amps and whatnot, and I just tap into the moment. And whatsoever, whatever's there in the moment comes out as music. And I hear that because your albums, they sound very fluid. I would imagine it would be, I don't know, tell me, is it difficult to recreate those albums live? It's impossible. Yeah. And, and, but, but then again, why would you want to? It's a moment in time. I captured that moment, but it's, that moment's gone. You know? I'm just now, I, I'm, when you mentioned your uh, Instagram, and now I'm on Instagram, and shame on me, I have not followed you on Instagram yet, but now it is done. Ah, fantastic. <laughs> but listen, John, that's a, that's a problem I had. Uh, I was talking about audience and expectations and yeah. how that can can kind of uh, hinder you in having the the, the blissful, uh, ex- uh, surprising experiences. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when I want to go from place to place to recreate something, okay, I'm not saying that a band touring, playing to a new audience, night after night, well, then you just play your songs to a new audience and there's a new energy because there's a new audience I, I've taken that maybe a, a, a bit further okay yeah so so since I I now don't I, I have this kind of vibe that I present I see so you can be guaranteed you'll get music in in this vibe yeah but what notes and what what that can direction vary. of notes and um, that varies because that depends on the on the uh, venue 
and it depends on the audience. Let me tell you how this happened uh, for me. Uh, it's a really interesting story, but both musically and ph philosophically. Because I was, it started out. Uh, I was playing acoustic guitar music, instrumental music, and I was um, really important for me that audience paid attention. Yeah. So whenever someone came in talking or or chugging a beer or something, it disturbed me, and I was like, "Was this in a pub environment? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. whatever environment. Okay. But, yeah. but but when no noises kind of yeah. interfered with my performance, yeah. I would go like, "Oh, I would cringe, and I would, you know, it would be a uh, a negative thing." And I got really tired from that. But when I started do, doing improvised music, this whole new space opened up for me and I got insight into a whole new way of looking at it because I got to a point where I was like, okay, I, I give up. So I started mentally to just invite those sounds or just okay. let them come. Let it be part of the performance. Let it be part of the performance because I can't stop you and I just have to let things that are going on just let them go on yeah. just let it happen because again get by giving things too much resistance you kind of back to the towers yeah, back to yeah, yeah. And, and then you kind of exaggerate that yes. you know yeah. and, and maybe if someone drops a beer glass and you go and give that too much attention what about all the 90% of the other people who didn't drop their bear glass yeah. are now involved in this bear glass incident. Right. You know, I don't want to do that to, to those people. So I just had to find a way of not letting that bear glass going, breaking, uh, interfere. And the way to do that is to just say, oh, hi, broken bear glass. I love you. <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Yeah. You're also welcome here. That's so interesting to hear you speak on that because I, I know I can see uh, a lot of the acoustic uh, performances I've seen and I can see the artist really struggling with their focus because of noise and people walking around and, and things like that. It's interesting to hear you speak on your way. Yeah. So, so, so if you play in, um, improvised music, like I do, you can always give space to on, um, um, expected incidents. And the most, the, 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 the big, big shift in my consciousness when it came to this, is the story I was going to tell. And I played this place called sound of Mu. Mu is a Japanese word meaning nothingness, mm -hmm. which is a great place for me to play. A little <laughs> venue, little just small little room uh, in Marikivayan in Oslo. It's not there anymore, but but it was a great place to play. And I played an improvised show, and the place was packed. Yeah. And I was sitting on the floor with my guitars and my little ebos and whatnot, and doing my thing. And people were sitting there drinking beer and listening, and it was great. And Mu has this great window, so you can see uh, what's going on out in the street. Uh -huh. And from the corner of my eye, I could see this person, and I could tell from his body language that he was going to enter the venue. Yeah. Now, this was in the middle of a concert, you know, people were sitting there attentive, listening to mm. me, and I was going, bling, bong, boom, making my, doing my little abstract sounds, you know. Yeah. But because I was playing that type of music, 
I could do what I did, which was, okay, now someone's going to enter. And I could see this guy was entering. He was holding a package. And I could tell from his body language, he wasn't going to go to a concert. He was going to deliver something in the okay. bar. Yeah. And that that's exactly what happened. So what I did, John, it was so exciting. I just mentally prepared myself to the types of noises this guy was going to make entering. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I I gave space in the music for that. So I played ding ding kung and he opened the door. And then I knew that the door was going to close. So I bam bam boom when the door closed and yeah. I did all this and this guy went up to the bar, delivered his package and he stepped over people because because people were sitting there. Uh-huh. There's so many people. He uh-huh. stepped over people to get to the bar. And he had to step over people to get out again. And he just delivered the package and left again. And I was in heaven because I I felt I'd made it work, you know? So what some people could have looked at as a disturbance, you took that as an element in the performance. So this is what happened. So exactly. And, and this is what happened. So after the concert, people came up to me, man, what a great show, rad man, and blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like, thank you. And then, was it good for you? And I was like, yeah, especially when this guy entered. Especially. Yeah, that was so great. And people were like, what guy? <laughs> yeah, I see. I see. Yeah. And I, you didn't notice this guy? Uh, no. And I'm like, okay, that's a confirmation that... Mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. That because I invited this happening into my concert, they didn't even... The audience didn't even notice that right. it happened. Right. So that says a lot about the attention we give to things, you know, and how we can make a, a feather into a, a hen farm. Yeah, yeah. If we're not careful, yeah. you know, don't, just don't give negative things too much attention. And if things, and don't look, even look at things as negative, just look at the things that now this is happening. And there's always a way to counter and you counter things with love by inviting and by loving and saying, oh, you know, like when your kid comes up to you and he's angry and he's like, but I want to be, <laughs> and I just tickle him and I said, but you know, I love you, right? Yeah. And he, he can't be pissed anymore. He starts laughing and, you know, just love, 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 love. Who, who can be angry? Who can continue to be angry? No one. No one. I truly am a... Um What's the what's the English word? Tilling it. I am I am supporter. truly a, a supporter um, of of that way of thinking. Uh, that is an element that I try to infuse in my life, in my day to day life. And again, as, as I said earlier, I don't know where that came from. Nobody really taught me. Well, let me back up. <clears throat> I believe that my grandmother taught me, but not by. Not with words. She never verbalized any of these things, mm. but I just saw the way she lived her exactly, life. Exactly, exactly. And I try to emulate that. That's how we learn as kids. Absolutely. We go, oh, you have to tell your kids this and that. No, just act because kids watch you. Yeah, and they, yeah you don't have to tell them very much. You don't much. have to tell them, them very much. They live. just do what you do. Just live the way you live and, 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 uh, and hopefully you have an observant child. I'm coming home. Home. I'm coming home. Yes, I am, my Lord. 